Okay, we've come to the end of our victory series, and we've seen the various ways how we can uh, experience victory in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, today, in, in uh, session six, we will be looking at victory shared. How the victory we have is shared with others who make up the incredible body of Christ. Uh, so let's look at the first question then on page 53. What are some marketing campaigns you will always remember? What are some marketing campaigns? That is slogans, marketing slogans that you, you've heard over the years that, that stand out in your mind that uh, you can't seem to forget. You know those jingles? Those on the other page. Put a tag in your tank. It's a real thing. <laughs> okay. No, you're cheating. You're going ahead. I, I want to do it. The ones that you remember. I remember. That, the the, the, the single one that tank. you remember. Put the tag in the tank, okay? And it's a real thing. Uh, it's a real thing. Okay. Hold on. 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 There were a whole lot of them over the years, eh? Um, okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life then, and, and let's see, we'll see the ones that we have there. Yeah. Bible Meets Life. Ad agencies... 54, page 54. Ad agencies live to create that one slogan of campaign that's remembered for years. For example, put a tiger in your tank. That's ESO, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's a real thing. That's Coca-Cola. Where's the beef? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just do it like Nike. <laughs> mm -hmm. I do my own form of barrel marketing because I am a grandfather. Yes, I am one of those grandfathers. I try to steer every conversation toward the subject of grandchildren. I can't help it. This news is just too good to keep to myself. In his gospel, Luke told one last story about Jesus with his disciples. Jesus reminded his disciples they were witnesses of some incredible events. What Jesus had done is incredibly good news. And like any good news, the story of God's saving work in Jesus had to be told. Okay, so we see those slogans uh, from the 1960s to the 1990s. Which one of those is your favorite? Anybody had any of those favorites on that list? Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. I think that was the most famous one. Yeah. Just do it. That tag in your tank, that one goes way back. I don't remember that one too much. No. And uh, it's the real thing. Coca-Cola. It's a real thing. Coca-Cola is the real thing. Coca-Cola, Where's the beef? Even a song for it. Where's the beef was... Nike. When Where's the beef was what? Burger King? Yeah, just do it. Nike, right? Nike was just do it, yeah. Just do it at Nike. Yeah. Yeah, but the home of the waffle is Burger King as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's the, the the point of our lesson today? The victory happened, Jesus, is too big to keep to ourselves. Okay, the victory we have in who? Jesus. It's too big to keep to ourselves. And that means we have to do what? Share it. We gotta share it. We gotta tell others about it. Let them know that they can have this victory as well. I, I, I was just telling them this morning, uh, one morning this week I was 
I, I try to get a song before I do my movies. Anyhow, uh, number six. In the song, I know we've done it before, but the words are so good. And I was excited, I was really blessed by it. So when I come, I wanted to share it with everything. Don't say nothing. And that's how I, I say, child, I gotta share this. I gotta tell him, look at Dr. Fritz. But the devil is right here trying to shut your mouth. Look, he's strong, mm. open up your mouth. He always is. That's right. He always is. He's number six in that song book. It's such a blessing. What is number six in the song book? Why tell it? Um, this is one. Say, 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 why tell it? Number six. Fifty-four. Sister Bailey's. What's Fifty-four. Okay, this number four. six. This number six. Thank you. Number six. Say the words in number six. What's the, what's the words in number six? The words number six said, said we through another week. I don't have me one open my mouth, so there's God nothing. has brought, we, we don't want all of us right. say one time. God has brought us on our way. Let us now a blessing seek, waiting in his courts today. Day of all, the week the best, emblem of eternal rest. Day of all the week, the best. Emblem of eternal rest. Amen. While we pray for pardoning grace, truth the day of redeemer's need, show thy reconciled faith, take away our sin and shame. From our worthy cares set free, may we rest this day in thee. From our worthy cares set free, may we rest here we come, thy name to praise. May we feel thy presence near. May thy glory meet our eyes while we in thy house appear. Here afford us, Lord, a taste of our everlasting feast. Here afford us, Lord, a taste of our everlasting feast. May thy gospel's joyful sound comfort sinners, comfort sins. May the fruits of grace abound. Bring relief for all complaints. This may all our Sabbaths prove, till we join the church above. Thus may all our Sabbaths prove, till we join the church above. Amen. I think that is the law. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes those words, are, yeah, the hymns are, are very stirring. Okay, let's look at the passages on page 55, uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 45. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Lord, open our minds this morning that we will understand your word. Okay, continue to read the paragraph. It would be an understatement to say that Jesus' disciples were surprised by the crucifixion. Yet, when Jesus appears to his followers on the day of his resurrection, he reminded them of his warnings from the past. These are my words that I have that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Jesus had repeatedly told the disciples he would be arrested, killed, and resurrected. Furthermore, the Hebrew scriptures themselves 
But we know as the Old Testament predicted what would happen. Despite all this, Jesus didn't rebuke the disciples for not fighting things out, figuring out things, figuring things out. Instead, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus broke the Hebrew scripture. Jesus broke the Hebrew scriptures into three divisions. The law of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, also called, called the Pentateuch. The prophets, this includes the former prophets, Joshua through Second Kings, and the line of prophets, Isaiah through Malachi. The Psalms, this section is also called the Writings, which is comprised of all the remaining Old Testament books. Jesus opened the disciples' minds to see that these scriptures, the same passages that we well know to every Jew, were ultimately about himself. Next, Next page. page. <laughs> this wasn't the first time Jesus had made this claim. Earlier, Jesus told this to the Jews who were persecuting him. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. Unfortunately, we still find too many examples of people who misinterpret the Bible or choose to read it in light of what they want it to say. How do we know when we are reading the scriptures correctly? Look for Christ. Reading the Bible as God intended will always bring us back to Jesus. Okay, now notice the last two paragraphs there. Notice it says, this wasn't the first time Jesus made this claim. Earlier, Jesus told this to the Jews who were persecuting him. You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. John 5.39 Unfortunately, we still find too many examples of people who misinterpret the Bible and choose to read it in light of what they want, what they want it to say, rather than what the scripture says. How do we know when we are reading the scriptures correctly? Look for Christ. Reading the Bible as God intended will always bring us back to Jesus. Let's look at those passages that were mentioned earlier there. The first one is Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 22. Luke chapter 9, verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And then the other passage in Luke chapter 9, verse 44. Listen to me. And all this is Jesus speaking now. He says, listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. And then Luke chapter 17, verse 25 says, But first the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. And then Luke 18, 31 Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen, 
We are going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the, of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. And there verse 32 of Luke 18. He would be handed over to the Romans and he would be mocked and treated shamefully and spit upon. Verse 33, they will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. And finally, chapter 22 of Luke, verse 37, for the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. And so we see Jesus over and over repeatedly uh, speaking to his disciples about his death, what will happen to him. And so they couldn't be caught by surprise when all this happened because he had been saying it all along. Okay, look at question number two. What practical tools help you engage and understand the scriptures? Prayer. Prayer? Okay, what do you do before you read the scriptures? You pray. pray. Alright, you pray. Because it's God who's going to give you the understanding. Mm -hmm. And so we should never read the scriptures without praying for us. Asking God to give us the understanding, open up our understanding, enlighten our minds, illuminate our minds. What other practical tools do we engage in to understand the scriptures? Besides prayer. Any others? You say when, um, like before you start, sometimes you sing a song or so. Mm -hmm. It brings you to worship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Worship. Yeah. worship, okay. An attitude of worship. Yeah, when you sing the mm -hmm. songs. Two readings. Okay, there's uh, there are Bible commentaries. Uh, if you don't understand a particular passage of scripture, you, clearly you can go to a Bible commentary mm -hmm. and see what it's all about. Uh, there are daily, oh, scriptures. daily scriptures, mm -hmm. there are books, there are Bible apps, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and cell phones now they have all kinds of apps and Bible apps as well. You can go to and look at as a, as a helpful tool uh, to study the scriptures. And there are even websites now that you can go on and, uh, and read the Bible and have the Bible read uh, audibly while you follow along. Okay, that's a good way uh, of doing it too. So all those are good study tools uh, that we can use. Um, there was a part, part of it says Jesus opened up their minds. Verse 45 says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus, uh, we, we, we contrast this with, with, with verse 945, with verse 1834. The scriptures refers back and clarifies the character of the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms in verse 44. Now the disciples had a real and clear understanding, not only of what the scriptures prophesied, but of what they had witnessed during the whole time they were with the Lord Jesus Christ. These words remind us that the scriptures need to be understood, not just read over, but understood. A lot of people read the Bible and they just read over it. 
to understand and think about it and get them to, yep, I read my Bible today. I did my quota. Okay? The Bible is to be read to be understood. And if you don't understand something, that's where the Bible study helps come in. You pick up a commentary or you pick up uh, uh, some uh, book that has a devotional about a particular verse and you get an understanding of it. So when you walk away uh, from reading that scripture, you have an understanding. It takes the illumination of the Holy Spirit to understand God's word. The second thing you pray, one of the things you pray for when you pray about before you read is to ask the Holy Spirit to open up your understanding. Remember who the Holy Spirit is. He is the paraclete, the one called alongside to help. That's what the Greek word for Holy Spirit is, paraclete, one called alongside to help. Whenever you call somebody by your side, you want them to help you out, right? That's what the Holy Spirit is. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit would give us illumination to understand God's Word the way God wants us to understand it so that we would be able to walk away and know what we are supposed to do as a result of reading the Word. The risen Lord is not only the content and fulfillment of Scripture, as the living word, he is the interpreter of the written word. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who interprets the word and tells us what we are to do as a result of reading God's word. Okay, look at question number three on page 56. How would you summarize the grand story of scripture for an unbeliever? How would you summarize the grand story? Christ Jesus died for you. He was buried and rose the third day. That's the gospel in the nutshell. Mm -hmm. He died, buried, and rose the third day. And Jesus loved you for For God so loved. That's right. That's one way of putting it. And you could put it in your own words. Okay, you can quote the scriptures verbatim, or you can put it in your own words in a way that uh, the person that you're speaking to can clearly understand what you're saying. You know, sometimes they may not understand it the way the scripture quotes it, because they don't read the Bible, they don't know anything about the Bible, but if you, if you read it in your own words, if you say it to them in your own words, then they will probably get a better understanding. So as we continue with verses 46 to 47, we'll see how Jesus understood his crucifixion and resurrection in the light of the scriptures. So let's look then at verses 46 and 47. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and ride from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Okay. No, stop right there. Um, notice, uh, in helping the disciples understand the scriptures, Jesus referred to what is written. He says, what is written. Luke used three infinitives to summarize what had been written in the Old Testament. Scriptures concerning the Messiah, which are translated suffer, rise, and would be proclaimed. The first two were now past. They were accomplished. The third item, the proclaiming, was about to begin. The first two, the cross and the resurrection, are the central elements of the proclamation. Okay, let's read the paragraphs beneath that verse. 
The Hebrew scriptures do more than just point to a coming Messiah. The Old Testament points to what he would do, that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Luke didn't tell us which passages Jesus had in mind, but we know the early church used several scriptures to point to the crucified and resurrected Christ. For example, Philip used Isaiah 53, verses 7 to 8, to help an Ethiopian discover Jesus, see Acts 8, 26 to 38. Or read Psalm 22 and see how many references you can find to the crucifixion. Not only did the Old Testament point forward to the events of Jesus' life, but also to their deeper significance for us. For example, some people want to make a distinction between the God of wrath and judgment in the Old Testament and the God of love and forgiveness in the New. For the New Testament also points to the holy God who judges sin, just as the whole Old Testament gives ample testimony of a God of grace, love, and forgiveness. For example, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 103, verse 11, 12. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Jonah 4, 2. The gospel is an old story. From the beginning, God has begun has been working across the generations so that, at just the right moment in history, Jesus Christ would be born. Knowing this, we see that Jesus' arrest and death were not merely unfortunate events. They were all a part of God's perfect plan. Jesus made the point that every promise of God would be fulfilled. Do you know these promises from his word? Can you explain how Jesus fulfills these promises? I hope so. As followers of Christ, we should know the answers to these questions for a simple reason. Jesus' place in history is a world-altering, life-changing truth that must be embraced and proclaimed. Okay. So notice the, the uh, significant points, or major points in that passage. Uh, the first one is the, scripture, the whole Hebrew Scriptures do more than just point to a coming Messiah. The Old Testament points to what he would do, that the Messiah would do what? He would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. The second point we notice there is, not only did the Old Testament point forward to the events of Jesus' life, but also to their deeper significance for us. And then the third thing is, the gospel is an old story. From the beginning, God has been working across the generations so that at just the right moment in history, Jesus would be born. And so it was a well-orchestrated, calculated process that God had put in place with regards to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at the question number four. What are the basics of the gospel every Christian can share. The basics of the gospel. I think this is Brenda mentioned them already. Yeah, but, but right? we, we already answered number three. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Christ was born, born died, 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 died. He, not only was he born but he lived, he lived a sinless spotless life that's important you can't miss that and he was, he was he died he was crucified he was buried and he rose on the third day those are the basics and of course, if you want to go a little further than that, you can tell them what he does for those who come to him. Okay? How he can deliver them, how he can rescue them. You know, um, I, I used to wonder that how Jesus, all these things they do to him, and he didn't open his mouth. That stunned me. And then one, one morning I was reading a, a message and it said because he had confidence in his father's love and he knows his father is just, that is why he you know who this story be, commit everything they do to him to his father. The confidence that he had in his father, he didn't have to open his nose because he know that his father is going to work for him. Yeah. I don't want to say that in a simple way, but that really stuck with me because you know, he knew. Yeah. It's just like if someone comes to you all and says, My name is Dorothy. You have to say, No, uh uh-uh. uh. I know what she needs because you know me. I, you sit with me every Sunday and you always hear me say, But that was a child. That was a blessing to me. I hope. But it was also a fulfillment of scripture. Yeah. You know? As a lamb, he opened it, not his mouth. As a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened it, not his mouth. He knew what he came to do, to do the Father's will. Okay, as we conclude in verses 48 to 49, we'll see that Jesus had to say, what, we'll see what Jesus had to say about our responsibility to live as witnesses to the truth of the gospel. We are witnesses to the truth of the gospel. So let's look at um, that uh, final two, two verses, uh, verses 48 and 49 on page 57. Someone go ahead. Witnesses of these things, and look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Okay, go ahead, read the paragraphs as well. Jesus sent the disciples out to proclaim the gospel as witnesses, but he did not send them out alone. On the night he was arrested, Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit would come, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of Truth, John 14, 16-17. By calling the Spirit a counselor, Jesus used a word that was li- that literally means someone who walks alongside another. The Holy Spirit would comfort the disciples, explain the teachings of Jesus, and lead the disciples in their ministries and preaching. The privilege of proclaiming Jesus Christ wasn't just for the earliest disciples, nor was the gift of the Holy Spirit. He also, we also live as witnesses for Christ and what we proclaim comes out of the overflow of our own relationship with Jesus. We may not stand behind a pulpit every week, but neither did most of the disciples. Instead, we share what we know 
and have experience with those who need to hear it. Remember, the gospel is good news. Over the years, I've discovered again and again that most people, even people who seemingly have it all together, are walking around in terrible pain. They have things in their past they can't forget or forgive. They have failures they can't get over. People they trusted that have let them down, or worse. These are the people who sit on the pews around you in church, live down the street in your neighborhood, go to class with you, and work where you work. Such people are desperate for the good news Jesus brings. Some of them may think they know about Jesus, but in fact they don't. At least, they don't know the full story of his grace and salvation. That's where you and I come in as witnesses. Under the leadership of the Spirit, we brought into we brought into people's lives at just the right moment. But as Jesus was born in the fullness of time, Galatians 4 and 4, God leads you and me into other people's lives at just the right time to make a difference. Then perhaps, beginning with a cup of coffee or a little banter about the latest ball game, we listen to their stories. Right when, right where we are, we begin to tell them the story of Jesus. We tell them everything that happened to Jesus and about what his victory means for all of us. Don't keep the good news to yourself. Share Jesus and let others experience victory as well. Okay. Uh, look at uh, Galatians 4, 4. It says, But when the right time came, God sent a son, born of a woman, subject to the law. So there's a, there's a matter of timing. Okay, at the right moment, just as Jesus was born in the fullness of time, Galatians says, at the right time, in the right moment. Uh, look at the, uh, notice the first paragraph there. The privilege of proclaiming Jesus Christ wasn't just for the earliest disciples. The privilege, oh, it's a privilege. The privilege of proclaiming Jesus Christ, we like privileges, don't we? Anybody here don't like privilege? Everybody looking for privilege. People are breaking people's doors down to get privilege. Okay, that's why the, the, the country's in such a mess today as in physically, because so many people got privileges that the country couldn't afford to give. Okay, so the privilege of proclaiming Jesus wasn't just for the earliest disciples, nor was it the gift of the Holy Spirit. We also live as witnesses for Christ. And we proclaim, and what we proclaim comes out of the outflow of our own relationship with Jesus. Okay, so our lifestyle with the Lord Jesus Christ would grant us the enablement or the ability to share with others the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not stand behind a pulpit every week, but neither did most of the disciples. Instead, what we share. Instead, we share what we know and have experienced with those who need to hear it. And I'm sure whenever we run into people in media, whatever they're talking about and what they're going through, you automatically determine what they need. They need Jesus. 
And you, as a result of your experience with Jesus, have the opportunity to share that with them. And so that's a, a very impacting thought for us to take with us. Last question. What has God called you to... Where has God called you to represent him? Where has God called you to represent him? Right where you are. Right where you are. Exactly. He didn't tell you to go nowhere else. Right where you are in your neighborhood, on your job, in your community, wherever you are, that's where God wants you to represent him. Um, some others he may call to go somewhere else, but wherever we are, that's where we are called to represent him. Okay, we have an exercise there as well. Did anybody do that exercise? <laughs> okay, let's move on from there because our time is just about gone anyway. So let's look at uh, what we do in terms of this lesson today. Okay, consider the following options. Okay, how will you share the good news of Christ's victory this week? Consider the following options. That's on page 60. Invite. Pray for an opportunity to invite a friend or family member to church. Notice it says pray for an opportunity. Okay, we may be timid, we may not know who to ask or you know who to invite. Pray that God would put on your mind someone who needs to go. Okay, so pray for an opportunity to invite a friend or family member to church. Begin with a simple invitation to join you in next week's Bible study group or worship service. Okay, so in other words, before you invite him to church, you might invite him to a Bible study or to Sunday school class. All right, just give him an invitation. And then number two, study. Plan to read through the Old Testament over the next several months. Get hold summer for that. As you read, look for those signs, events, and teachings that point forward to the coming of Christ. So what you're going to be looking for is prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And then share. As a group, plan an event where every member can bring another person to strategic in be strategic in planning this event to include time for one or more group members to share about their faith in Christ. As a church, we don't need cheesy advertisements or viral marketing to spread the good news of the gospel. Instead, we simply need to share stories of lives changed through the victory and power of Jesus. Stories like yours. Stories like mine. Amen?